Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show this week. Um, I'm excited to share my conversation with Dr. Isla Bates. Dr. Bates is pretty amazing. She is a board-certified, Harvard-trained pediatric and adult psychiatrist with over 20 years of experience. She also has an integrative and holistic approach to the treatment of mental illness and incorporates mindfulness, positive psychology, and the expressive and creative arts while treating children and adults. Dr. Bates also holds a BFA from Parsons School of Design in Fashion Design, and she is an artist and printmaker who greatly enjoys photography and filmmaking. Dr. Bates incorporates all of these various skills in her practice as a psychiatrist and coach, and she facilitates workshops for clinicians who want to bring creativity both into their professional work and their personal lives. I enjoyed this conversation, and I'm excited to share it with you. Here is my podcast conversation with Dr. Isla Bates. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of The Wholehearted Healer. I'm so happy that you're here. My name is Dr. Avine Banish. I'm your host, and I'm excited today to have a conversation about creativity, wellness, mental health with the talented Dr. Um, Isla Bates. Um, Isla is an integrative psychiatrist, an artist. Um, she assists others in reconnecting to their creativity um, and she resides in New York City. Um, Isla, welcome. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Avine. <laughs> I'm excited to have a conversation with you. And I would love to uh, just to get to know you a little better and hear a little bit about your background, how you have landed where you are doing the work that you're doing. Well, it's kind of a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll try to make it shorter. Uh, I went to art school. Uh, I went to an art college, Parsons School of Design, and studied fashion design, even though I always wanted to be a doctor. Ended up uh, designing, traveling around the world, um, and and still had this yearning to, to become a doctor. And went back and did all the post-baccalaureate work and then went to medical school. However, when I got to medical school, all of the art and design background that I had was kind of pushed way in the background. And I didn't feel it was valued. I didn't feel that it was something that I didn't feel it was important, really. Mm -hmm. And so I minimized it. I didn't really tell a lot of people that I was a fashion designer because for some reason it seemed like it it um, discredited me as a physician. Well, you can't be really serious, then, yeah. right? Um, so I would say that a good number of years went by where I was just drawing occasionally, maybe for anatomy 
maybe if I wanted to remember something, I would draw it out. And um, there was a point in my life where I think I was burning out, although I never would call it that. I wasn't happy. I was just sort of in survival mode for a long time as a single mom and uh, working 70, 80 hours a week, being on call and commuting and the whole thing. And um, I just felt like something was missing. I didn't quite know what it was. Mm -hmm. I started buying the art of other artists and um, just admiring their work and buying. And then I came across this painting um, when I was in Arizona that I fell in love with and I wanted to buy it. It was $10,000. Wow. (laughs) For me, that was like an enormous amount of money. For Uh, most people, I would say that's an enormous amount of money. (laughs) (laughs) Especially for a piece of art, you know, but I just fell in love with it. And my daughter, who was about nine years old at the time said, Mom, I think you can do that. (laughs) Don't buy it. And, um, and so I listened to her, thank God. (laughs) Um, And I actually duplicated the painting on a smaller scale. Wow. And I decided, you know what, I just want to start painting. So I met a group of artists in Boston, one evening a week and started painting with them and um, printmaking entering juried shows, just that one evening a week changed my life. And I discovered art again. I discovered joy again. I felt, I felt so much better, you know? And, um, and then I usually tell people also the transformation came when I actually had um, valley fever I got very sick and on the east, I had been in Arizona, came back to to Boston and no one could figure out what was going on with me. And I figured out it was valley fever and I had to do a lot of advocating for myself. And during that time, I literally almost died because I was biking in a dust storm, had no idea that I shouldn't have been doing that. And um, the University of Arizona really helped me kind of walked me through what I needed so that I could advocate for myself. So needless to say, I was um, very unhappy with the way I was treated in in the emergency room. And um, I just felt pretty horrible. And I went into the studio when I got better And I painted these uh, self-portraits that um, during the course of my illness, I had taken selfies, you know, because my face had blown up and it just looked pretty horrible. (laughs) And I went into the studio and painted from these photographs. And when I left the studio, I felt cathartic. I felt like I had released so much of this negative energy, so much of the illness, so much of of the bad stuff that, you know, had happened to me. Um, And I knew right then and there that I had to share this with others, that I had to figure out a way to 
um, help people see how powerful art can be as a source of healing. And so that's kind of how the story began. And it's been at least 15, it's going on 20 years that I've been um, trying to figure, figure out how to combine the two and how to relay this journey to others. So what a beautiful story. And I have so many questions. I, I, I want to call out your beautiful nine-year-old daughter for being a <laughs> of wisdom and, and, a and a support, right? Like you can do this because I do think that um, so many of us who were um, full of creativity and color and joy in all the various expressions as kids, especially if we went into, I think it happens to all adults. Maybe that's part of in our society growing up, but certainly in uh, medicine, you know, the way that you describe it, like you almost hid your past. It did. You didn't feel like it was serious enough or, um, and that's just sad, right? I mean, because we want healers and physicians who can bring their whole selves to the table. And I, then I love how it comes full circle and you find a way to integrate um, creativity and integrative psychiatry. And so I guess my follow-up question is, how do you think creativity helps our mental well-being? Hmm. Well, there's a ton of research now that's available to um, really uh, prove that just making and creating art is beneficial to our well-being, our cognitive function. Um, dementia is protective in some ways. It is... Um, you don't have to make great art either. You don't have to be good at it. That's that's the wonderful thing to get the benefit of art. You can make bad art and it's still going to help you feel better <laughs> in the long run. Um, but I think so many of us leave art behind when we're in our, you know, middle school and we start judging. And the judging is really what, stops us from being creative. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, you know, I'm working with a young woman right now who's, um, she didn't go to art school, she's self-taught, but she, um, she's working on a project right now. <laughs> and it's not turning out the way she wants it to. And she's become very frustrated and anxious around it. And we talk through it. The thing is, when you're creating art, it never really comes out the way you expect it to or want it to, right? And it's kind of a metaphor for life. Mm -hmm. We are dealing with uncertainty when we are creating something. And it almost takes on a life of its own. And, um, you know, I know I'm getting a little tangential, but it's, it's like following through and going through with the art is really where the journey begins and turns into something beautiful. Um, so it's the journey, not the product that's important for your well-being. And just, you know, I think so. there's so many ways to be creative um, that we take for granted, such as gardening or cooking or knitting or crocheting or um, 
and uh, it's the the activity of using your hands and making something that feeds the soul. I totally agree. I love my kids joke because making soup for me is a creative art form. Like it's one of my favorite things to do when the weather turns colder and um, it's so simple. I don't even vary that much from my recipes anymore, but it just, it soothes me in a way that, um, that is almost surprises me Mm. uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. Another question I have is, you know, I have, four kids. Um, the youngest is 14, the oldest is 22. So they are of this digital age. And I feel like we're consuming art. We're consuming content. Mm-hmm. Um, like the balance feels off to me. We're mm-hmm. consuming and we're not creating. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about that imbalance or what it's doing to us? I, f- I mean, we know what it's doing to our, um, maybe our attention span and, but I feel like it's easy to be lazy right now and just consume in a way that like a hundred years ago, it was harder to consume content, art, creativity. You had to go looking for it. I think a little bit more than today where it's, we're in a glut of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, You know, I think human beings were meant to be creative and meant to use their hands and we are not using our hands anymore. Mm-hmm. except to scroll. And, um, you know, when I was a little girl, we learned cursive. And today, young people barely write. You know, if you ask them to write an essay, they don't write it longhand, they type it. Mm-hmm. We're typing. And um, so I think that that's uh, a problem for all of us. So i try to draw every day or almost every day. You know, I'm still a little old school, so I do some longhand writing, a lot of it. Um, but I, I think we need to we need to stop for even 10 minutes a day and do something with our hands, create something with our hands, and that will heal us. It'll help to heal us. Because otherwise, consuming is, we're consuming a lot of things. We're consuming a lot of violence. We're consuming, you know, you can't turn on the television without a murder. Or we're looking at serial killers. Um, This is not content that's really good, especially for kids to Mm -hmm. consume. And it's hard to stop it as a parent. It's really hard. Yeah, I think, and I think, you know, it may be unreasonable at this point to think, you know, we are living in a digital age. And so that's why I think it's really exciting to think about the ways that we can balance or counteract. And I really feel that um, this creative piece is so important. You know, you, I'm guessing you had a pretty strong artistic, the the fact that you went to art school before medical school. Um tells me that you have an artist's heart, but what about someone listening who they may have stopped art when they were in fourth grade, or they may have, you know, that negative connotation because they were told, or it was suggested to them that they were mm-hmm. not good at something. Yeah. By a teacher, you know, just offhandedly, even how yeah. does something like that, who's listening and it's like, it's curious, but I have no idea where I would begin. Yeah. Well, um, those are my favorite people. those are my absolute favorite people and usually when I give a a workshop I 
you know, ask the audience, okay, who here can't draw a straight line? <laughs> um, because what happens by the end of the workshop is that people realize that they can draw, um, that it is an ability that we all have. And I make it pretty simple and accessible. And that surprise and delight that people feel um, creates a sense of happiness, a sense of discovery. And if you're familiar with Carol Dweck's work, uh, Mindset, it go, you go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset with any of the workshops that I do. So I help people um, connect to their creativity, discover it again, and that playful aspect, that childlike uh, curiosity that I think um, sometimes disappears when we're working like dogs. <laughs> yeah. When we are living in a society where just as you said, you were this like talented and accomplished fashion designer who then wanted to bury that because it was considered lesser than what you were then pursuing. Well, I think that I was surrounded by um, friends who were academics. I was always, um, you know, very much math, science, and academics were my strengths in, in school. And when I would hear them talk about history and literature and things that I didn't get in, in um, art school, I really wanted more of that. Um, so I didn't, I didn't appreciate the fact that I was a creative and a designer because I also wanted to, to have all of that knowledge. I, you know, I'd go to school tomorrow <laughs> If I could, I just, I'm someone who loves school and loves learning. Um, so when I went back to school, I actually almost have a second uh, undergrad degree, um, you know, in English uh, literature. I studied history. I studied some of the things that I didn't, didn't get when I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Um, yes, I didn't value design as much as I do now. Um, but I think when I got to medical school, that's where I really felt it wasn't valued by the other. And I wasn't being authentic to myself. It was hard to be authentic. Absolutely. It was hard to be me because I felt like I had to conform in a way. You know, I was a good soldier. Yeah. Yeah. You said something interesting that I just want to explore a little bit more. You mentioned that when you were sick and you were in the emergency room, you were mistreated. You felt you were mistreated. And then you did this exploration of art and it sounded like a deep healing. You know, so we're talking about creativity kind of on this beginner level or this lovely level where we reconnect, but there's also, it seems, a place for deep soul healing mm -hmm. from our creativity. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that deep soul healing um, comes with experience and it comes with doing, uh, creating over a period of time. I don't think that that's something that happens instantly unless you have a guide 
you know, somebody who like an art therapist or a therapist um, like myself who does some art assisted work where, where we can guide you. But it's, it's amazing how naturally a lot of those connections do happen. So not everyone is open to it, but when you are a lot of surprising things can happen. So, yeah. Well, I just think it's beautiful for someone listening who may have never thought that that is an avenue for healing. You know, I I just love the myriad of ways and the tools that we have for healing that are maybe outside of the box, right? Yeah. I run such a <laughs> mental health crisis in our world right now and so novel and um just alternative ways of thinking and approaching it, I feel are very valuable. Yeah. Well, I'm not an art therapist, but I do art assisted therapy. So I have to make that very clear because there is a field of art therapy and I I really am an advocate advocate for art therapists. I think it's an underutilized um, form of therapy. Those who have been exposed to trauma and illness can be seen as trauma as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a nonverbal part of our brain that doesn't really get expressed. And you can express that trauma through art. And when you are um, creating art, you're also utilizing the verbal parts of your brain as well, becomes they become stimulated. And so that thing that you couldn't really verbalize before, once you draw it out. Um, because of the stimulation of the verbal processing as well, you are then able to articulate things that you weren't able to before. It's kind of, it sounds magical, but it's, um, you have to see it. (laughs) You have to try it. It's amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But it, it, art therapy has been used in trauma for many, many years. There's tons of research on it. And it's been evidence-based and validated. So it's a powerful thing. And um, I just was in Denmark with a group of art therapists. And uh, we were also talking to an audience of psychiatrists from around the world. And I I just don't think these are the things that you learn in medical school. Mm -hmm. Um, And we really need to be exposed to other modalities, right? So I'm definitely an advocate for that. <laughs> Learning oh. other ways. <laughs> Complementary medicine. Yeah. Complementary medicine. We have to, I mean, open minds um, is the first step, right? I mean, there's so much we don't know. The more, the older I get, the less I know. I always think, you know, there's yeah. so many ways to approach things. I wonder on kind of a lighter note, your history as a fashion designer and um your desire to express through art. Um, do you still, when you get dressed in the morning, are your clothes still like, what is your relationship to fashion and clothes these days in terms of art? I think um, when I started medical school, um, I had to, I felt like I had to tone down my, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, people would, you know, say, oh, you're, you're a funky dresser, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, 
you know, I went to medical school and uh, in uh, Buffalo, New York. <laughs> it's not like it's not like New York City where right. I might have had more <laughs> anything goes, right? Yeah, but there's this idea that we're supposed to be professional and we're supposed to look a certain way, and I think it robs you of your individuality. And don't forget, when I went to medical school, that was like 30 years ago, things have changed dramatically. So some of this may sound, you know, weird to other people who are in medical school now. But, um, but that's kind of how it was. And you felt like you had to conform. Um, So I would say that I looked like a dud for a number of years. And I wasn't very adventurous when it comes to fashion. And now that now that I'm older now i know it doesn't you know it doesn't matter to me so i wear whatever i want <clears throat> and i've always uh worn my hair in um you know 30 years ago i had dreadlocks and you know uh, there was a period of time where i felt like i had to straighten my hair and i've been wearing my hair natural for many many years even before it was a thing right <laughs> Um, so I am just my authentic self and, uh, now, and I love fashion and I'm actually thinking about ways in which I can design. Um, I'm actually thinking about designing again. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's really fun to just think about dressing each day as a creative act. It is. It's, but you can be extremely creative. Yeah. So I'm I'm a co-chair of the art committee for the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and it's also called ACAP. And um, I'm also the art editor for the journal. Um, and we're looking for young uh, we're looking for artwork uh, from young people, basically. So. Go on the website for the J-A-A-C-A-P and submit if your kid has any artwork because we'd love to have it. Um, but in the uh, art committee, we're, we're going to be doing a fashion show, actually, <laughs> for our annual meeting in October. So there are lots and lots of medical students and residents and, and, and um, physicians who are interested and yeah, it's it's been so much fun, you know. So I've I've gotten a lot of other people kind of creative too. Really so. fun. I went to a Catholic all girls high school where we wore a uniform, and so the only expression was your shoes and your purse. Um, so it's it's funny coming like feeling constrained and then having no constraints and. Um, as someone who sometimes doesn't know what I want to wear, it can feel overwhelming, but I love the idea of just looking at our everyday life and seeing all of the ways that we can start to infuse creative choice, really, because it is choice as well. Um, when, yeah. we, when we feel we have agency or choice, I think it's easier to be a creative being. Yes. I think there are lots of ways. I think fear stops us from being creative. Mm-hmm. It's the fear of judgment. It's the fear of what other people might think. Um, and we, especially as doctors, I think we feel a need to conform. And we really have to get out of that mindset because that's what's depleting us. 
when we're not able to be our authentic selves, it depletes our energy. And um, I really think it leads to burnout as well. Yeah. And I mean, not even to say about the people we're serving, right? Because I think if we are not showing up as our whole selves, yeah. we're also not giving permission to those, to our patients, to our coworkers to do the same. It like restrains everyone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. So um, d- does a patient have to be live in New York state to see you? Um, yeah, I mean, I have other licenses, but New York's the only active one. So if, uh, to be a patient, yes, but I also coach physicians and healers, um, who are in other States. Uh, yeah. So as a coach, I can see anybody. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, link all of your, the ways to get in touch with you in, in the show notes and, um, yeah. I just want to thank you for, I feel as if like, even the way you describe your story, it's, um, it's like in wizard of Oz, like where it went from black and white to color, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, um, and it's when one person does that, it, it really feel it, it gives permission for others to do the same. And so thank you for your courage in the work that you're doing and mm. outside the box and, and, um, helping others find their way back to remembering their own creativity. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the work that you do as well. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much.